Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Non-essential shops reopening today. Face coverings now compulsory on public transport and a big review of the two-metre rule by the Prime Minister. Well, let's talk about all of this, plus those protests at the weekend with Paul Scully, Minister for Small Business, Consumers and Labour Markets. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning to you. Well, lovely to speak to you. I'm mean, usually not in the studio. We've seen picked you so many times in the studio. Let's talk, first of all, about I mean, the good news, non-essential shops reopening today. Um, we don't know, really, how many people are going to head back to the stores and, uh, and, and be willing to sort of really wait outside and operate that two-metre rule with the face coverings and all of that. Um, but um, how, how much help is the government planning to give those non-essential shops? Are we going to be looking at, say, a cut in VAT to encourage people to go back to the stores and spend, spend, spend? Well, I think we'll see what the Chancellor uh, decides on, uh, you know, any measures he needs to introduce. What we've done right the way through this entire uh, pandemic is to make sure that we've got flexibility in the support that we've give, given. So we worked pretty quickly, I think, on, on most things, whether it's the loans, whether it's the uh, job retention scheme, extending and changing that, flexing that. And so we'll see what happens over the next few days. But importantly today, it's a step. It's, um, you know, it's a small step but it's going to have a big effect on our economy if we get it right to make sure that people can go out safely as long as we're acting sensibly to be able to shop again. Well, the key, the next key stage, of course, will be getting not just more children back to school, absolutely vital, but also getting the hospitality industry back up. It's a huge part of our, of our GDP, the tourism industry as well. And they've basically said, we're going to go under. If you keep to the two metre rule, we are not financially viable. And if you do keep to that rule, we are going to start laying people off. The furlough scheme, we're going to have to start contributing towards. There's no chance of us being able to rehire these people. Uh, how soon could that two metre rule be uh, got, you know, got rid of? And, and, and what happens under this review? What, it, what is being reviewed by the Prime Minister? So it's a comprehensive rule uh, uh, review on all of the evidence that we've got about two metres. Because uh, I work with the hospitality sector pretty much most days. They've made it really clear that the fact it's something like 30 percent capacity typically for a two metre opening. One and a half metres like they have in Germany, it's about 50. One metre is like they have in um, uh, America, it's, it's um, about 70 percent capacity. And that's really important for them. What we've got to make sure, though, that we can uh, match that with the health guidance, um, because the government's first priority is always about saving lives. 
for restoring livelihood, protecting jobs, protecting businesses, so that we can get the economy motivated again gradually is really, really important. So we've got, to, there's a lot of um, uh, work that we've got to do with the best scientific advice uh, to make sure that we're not gold-plating it, looking at the international comparisons to see what's happening there. And, and, and so that's what has to go into the mix. But, and then we'll have to make a, you know, a, a decision. It's the government or the politicians that will make the decision based on that best scientific advice. Well, you get it's the best scientific advice, but why is it that, you know, France and, and Singapore, why, and, and always, you know, why do all these other countries have, have completely different uh, advice? Why does the World Health Organization have different advice and say that one metre is enough? You, you say the government's priority is saving lives. Well, the government's got lots of different priorities, which is why different decisions are made at different times and yeah. why different medical experts can disagree because we can't save every single life. That's never been possible and actually should not be desirable because it's a trade-off. And, you know, you wouldn't wreck the entire British economy to save one life. So we know that there is a trade-off. But, that, you know, we will be at slightly more at risk at one metre rather than two metres. But isn't that not a risk that is people are willing to take to not see our economy completely collapse? Well, which is why we're doing the comprehensive review. And I think what we're going to do, if we're going to make difficult decisions, we've got to do it based on the best evidence. And I think that's the key thing. So that's why the international comparisons are a good thing to, to, to look at, to understand, because it's not like the WHO come up with a one-metre rule and everybody's doing the same thing. So why is that happening? Is it different populations? Is it different um, scales? Is it the way that their society and their behavioural economics works? These are all kind of things that we need to factor in which we will do over the coming days. Okay, well, let's also talk about what the point is of having a two-metre rule and and people having face coverings and the like on public transport when there are mass protests every single weekend in central London, which the police don't seem to do anything about. Yes, we had far more robust policing this weekend when the far-right protesters turned out. The Black Lives Matter protest of the official one was actually cancelled. But but what is the point of everyone else being careful all this time and not, you know, hugging our, our grandparents and things like that and our kids not seeing their friends when there are thousands and thousands of people who are standing around having mass protests, uh, fighting with the police and, 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 and nothing is done to stop it from happening. I think when you say nothing is done, I mean, I think it's difficult to actually uh, uh, to be able to work in a, in a protest of those sides. But, but clearly, first of all, if you look at the violence that's happened over the last few weeks, that's totally unacceptable. And it's just really undermining, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the debate that we need to have in terms of the actual congregating. Um, again, as you rightly say, it's, it's undermining everything that people have worked for. For three months, many of those people will say, I'm going out you know, socially distanced. I've got my mask on. It's just not possible to do that when you're in with thousands and thousands of people. But then why, so are, they, why are these protests still allowed to happen? The home section has been really clear about, about um, you know, pushing back and saying that this is not acceptable. You cannot do this. Um, but, but when you have thousands of people, you then do need to work out how you police that carefully so that not to... Um, to incite more, but all noise. But to, to, you know, to be, oh, um, but that's but, but Paul Scully. That's what's happened, hasn't it? Is basically the police don't have control of the streets, and even when they're in their riot gear yesterday, or on Saturday, didn't have control of the streets. And and the government's answer seems to be a few tweets from Boris Johnson about, oh yes, you know, we're not going to get rid of Winston Churchill's statue, but we're happy to board it up uh, rather than protect it properly. But also to uh, bring in a ten-year sentence for anyone found guilty of of desecrating a war memorial. 
difficult. Now, this is just knee-jerk populism of the worst kind. What we want is the memorials not desecrated. What we want is proper policing. Sentencing someone to 10 years behind bars, it's more than they get for raping someone, for goodness sake. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, in terms of, in terms of policing, I think this was the the, um, uh, the preempting of this weekend. I think did actually see some some, some of the protests cancelled, and I think that's that's the right way to do it. We do need to be absolutely firm. We do need to make sure that the people, when we see people planning uh, protests online through social media, that we do um, that come in at that point to try and stop it. You're absolutely right. So. We'll have to see where we go from now, what's happening in terms of the protests around the country, and make sure that we can keep on developing the way that we are pushing back, um, both through government and through the police as well, because congregating more than six people in one place is against the is against the law, and so we do need to stamp down on that. Yeah, I'm getting a bit, bit, bit late now. I mean, just finally, I mean, we are in it would appear a massive culture war where people are losing their jobs because they're not saying the correct words, not even saying anything racist or or unpleasant, but simply uh, giving their own opinions. We're seeing, uh, you know, the blue plaques are all going to be questioned, statues toppled, uh, halls renamed, schools renamed, universities are taking down their their mottos. Um, is it time for this government to to stand up very firmly in defence of Britain's culture? Culture and history and say, yes, you know what? Our country isn't perfect. No country is perfect and no one's history is perfect. The past isn't perfect. But to stand up on behalf of the vast majority of your constituents and every MP's constituents who just thinks that these culture wars are absolutely absurd. If you talk about a culture war, then clearly that just doesn't help anybody, as, uh, as you rightly say. The, the um, Prime Minister has launched a commission to work out what... Um, to take all the data that we've got to actually put it into meaningful action to make sure that whether you're a black child, whether you're an Asian child, whether you're a, a, a white British English, uh, British um, uh, child, that you're getting equal opportunities and, uh, and learning the lessons from there. But that does not mean that uh, uh, people should be sitting there, as you say, trying to uh, rewrite history. You're absolutely right when you talk about the fact that uh, characters in our history are not perfect by any stretch of the stretch of imagination we should teach people we should teach people about the differences and so they can understand have a deeper understanding of our history rather than trying to rewrite it or erase it online on dab and on the talk radio app talk radio jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Harley. Brewer. a pleasure to have your company this morning. Delighted to be joined with now by the Shadow Business and Consumer Minister, Lucy Powell for the Labour Party. Good morning to you, Lucy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's a really big day for retailers today. Non-essential shops reopening. How important is this for the economy? Well, it's incredibly important that the economy now starts to uh, get back to some sort of normality. But of course, even for the retailers that are opening today, um, it, it won't be that kind of normality. They'll they'll be able to have fewer customers in the shop. Uh, it will require more staff, more systems in place. So they'll have sort of higher costs associated with with less with less income. So you know, I hope people feel confident enough to to go and shop and shop local. You know, shopping their favourite retailers to 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 give them a, an income, and and we all support that call. Oh, but yeah, you say that we all support that call. Except the Labour Party has constantly said that the government is moving too fast uh, in terms of uh, bringing us out of lockdown. Is it too fast or too slow, or is it Goldilocks style just right? Well, I don't think we've said too too fast. I think look what's been. A, a real challenge and, and we're now about to see that that real challenge happen again in terms of hospitality and hairdressers and others that are supposed to be opening two weeks uh, on Saturday is that the guidance and the uh, business critical issues for these sort of businesses to reopen is just keeps coming far far too late and it's not being done in a way that's that's transparent and open enough so it's not really instilling that public confidence um that 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 businesses can reopen properly so you know with hospitality this real critical issue of 2 meters to 1 meter yeah. uh, the government have now launched another review on that they were supposed to publish the guidelines today for this key sector um, and they're supposed to be opening two weeks on, on Saturday and th- this just really isn't isn't good enough I'm afraid. And yet the government keeps saying look we're reviewing it we're going with the latest uh, data every time they review it they come back and say well Sage say it's two metres Sage now have said well look actually it's a political decision you know we, we're giving you the advice two metres is safer than one metre we know that ten metres is safer than two metres but we're not going with a, two, a ten metre distance do you as the Labour Party support the two metre distancing being reduced to one meter to help save our hospitality industry and indeed our, our, our retail industry as well well if that's the decision that's come to um on the basis of balancing all of those risks and looking at all of those risks and that analysis that cost benefit analysis and that we we're all sharing in that analysis then absolutely we would support it um but but we need to see uh, much more transparency about that. We haven't seen uh, all of those different uh, factors at play because this is a balance of risks, as you say. And, um, you know, they are different 
difficult uh, balances well, to, well they are, to, but to where, strike. But where does the what is the Labour Party policy? I mean, it's very easy, isn't it, for all of us to say, oh, you know, this is this is wrong. The government's doing is wrong. Is that, and that's you know, okay, that's partly the job of the opposition to do that. But what is the alternative policy for the Labour Party? Is it your policy that we shouldn't be out and about a lot at all? Is it your policy we should be out and about, but we should have different different rules? Should we or should we not be following a two meter or a one meter rule? Surely the Labour Party has taken scientific and medical advice on this. Well, we don't have full access to, to, to that scientific advice. And actually, we've not said things are wrong. We've not said the easing of lockdown is wrong. We have supported the government with the decisions that it has taken. and We'll continue uh, to do that. What we are saying, though, is that we all need to be part of that conversation. It needs to happen in a much more timely fashion than it's happening because businesses need to plan. And critically, what also needs to happen is the economic support needs to follow what is the public health guidance. One of the reasons why the two metre, one metre issue is now at the fulcrum of this debate is because that is a difference between a business being viable and not viable if it's two metres or one metres. Many businesses, by the way, in the hospitality sector won't be viable even at one metre either. And um, what needs to follow, therefore, is the business uh, and economic support to those businesses. Many have not had full support from the government. Now, many are being told, well, they're all being told they're going to have to contribute to the furlough scheme from the beginning of August. But of course, if you've not traded for three months, and then even in July, you're, if you're even able to open, you're only able to trade at a very uh, much reduced capacity, then you're not going to be in a position to be able to contribute to that furlough scheme in August. So that's putting jobs at risk. So the economic support has to sit alongside it. That's why we need a decision. So whatever the decision is, make the decision, get the guidance out and make sure the economic support follows it. What we're seeing at the moment is none of those things. It's worst of all worlds. Are you concerned about a poll out yesterday which showed that two-thirds of people don't think that the economic crash, and we saw a 20% drop in GDP uh, on on Friday for for the month of April, and it's going to get even worse through May and June, two-thirds of people don't think it's going to affect them. Do you think there are an awful lot of people who are going to have a very rude awakening in the next few coming weeks and months? Well, there's no doubt about it. This is going to be a massive uh, economic impact, not just in the short term, but in in the long term. And it is going to affect you know many people across the country. And maybe it's partly because, as people have, we've also seen data that you know, obviously if people have been at home and unable to spend money. Those that are fortunate enough to still be in work and and or have an income, uh, you know, are, are spending a, a lot less. So maybe that's why. Uh, they feel that. But the, the, the crucial thing about this economic recovery now is can we make it as short and as shallow as possible? And that's why we need to be saving as many businesses now, businesses that were previously viable, that were trading well, that were doing well before lockdown, those businesses we need to save as many of them as possible because that's the only way we'll make okay. the economic pain as short and as uh, shallow as possible. OK, you used to be Shadow Education uh, Secretary. I'm wondering your thoughts about more school children, the children who are going to be doing GCSEs and A-levels next year, the years 10 and 12 now, them going back to school. But again, not all of them at any one time. Um, is, the, is the move back to school moving too slowly for you? Well... I- I'm very concerned about the impact on children and young people from being absent from school for such a long period of time. Uh, you know, six months for many children, whether they're teenagers, 
whether they're in the earliest years of, of life. We all know that six months or more of missing school will be life changing for some of our most disadvantaged and children with uh, extra needs in particular. Um, and the way in which, frankly, the, the, the government has sort of bungled the, 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 the reopening of, of schools that has kind of meant that there's been this loss of confidence across the sector and with parents as well, you know, ha has put more of that at, at risk. But what we need to do now is all engage in a, in a real effort to ensure that as many children as possible can go back to school as soon as possible in a safe way and also sitting alongside that, having a real national mission for uh, catching uh, up and for all the activities that children need to engage with over the summer and beyond. OK, and just finally, obviously, lots of people focused on those violent protests on Saturday, far right coming out, I think rather predictably, uh, following the uh, the handling of the, the, the mass protests the week before. Do you think, A, that we should actually go with the police of Oxford, the Met Police, a ban on mass protests during lockdown? I mean, a lot of us thought they were already banned. And B, that actually now, during a pandemic economic crisis, this is not the time for a culture war about uh, re-examining the history of this country and every single person who doesn't match up to the perfect morals of today? Well, it's definitely not the time for a, a culture war and, and it's really not the time for for mass gatherings uh, either. And, you know, but people, uh, you know, we, we've been calling for people to to try and make their voice heard in other ways um, if they feel that they they have to uh, attend protests to, to observe social distancing, to wear face masks and take all of those uh, things into consideration because we are in the middle of a okay. pandemic and, and that is issue. But, you know, really the government could help this situation a lot more by actually uh, coming forward with some real concrete actions and not just going into yet another review when we've had many reviews already that have happened with lots of recommendations, none of which have yet been actioned. Okay. Uh, and they could, that's the starting point. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk now to Josh Hardy. He's Deputy Director General of the CBI, the Confederation of British Industry. Good morning to you, Josh. Morning, Julia. Um, Welcome back. Well, thank you. For, very exciting being out and about. And, and again, sure I, it, it, but I can understand why lots of people will be wary about going back to work, the two-metre rules, wearing the face coverings on the public transport, and like, but also going out shopping. But it is vital, isn't it, that people do. Now non-essential shops are reopening today, many of them, not all of them, but that we do try and bring our high streets alive again. Oh, it's absolutely essential. Look, we've heard from we've heard from uh, we've heard about uh, hospitality, but retail exactly the same. For so many retailers, they've been at the sharp end of this crisis. So it's very welcome that they're starting. It will be slow. It won't be like Boxing Day sales. It's going to be a very very different experience. But the shops I've spoken to have done so much work to make their premises safe. Uh, to make it absolutely clear for customers how to behave safely. Now, it's almost a national effort. Let's get behind our shops where possible. I hope you'll be going out, I don't know, to Borough Market at lunchtime um, and, and, and get used to this new way of shopping because it probably will be with us for a little while. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It is going to be the way it is. But we got used to supermarket shopping pretty quickly. And it's yeah. now the norm. People know how to handle it. And, and you got used to the fact that, I mean, you can't just pop up to the supermarket because you might have to wait 20 minutes in a queue. But life has just sort of changed a little bit. And we I mean, we do get used to these things very quickly. Although, of course, picking up, you know, a, a, a jar of something from the supermarket shelf, putting it in the basket, very different from someone wanting to go clothes shopping or wanting to test out, I don't know, to tech equipment they want to, to buy. It's going to be a very different 
different experience. And certainly I was thinking like for my teenage daughter, the whole sort of the whole gang hitting Oxford Street and going and trying loads on and giggling in the changing rooms. It's not going to be perhaps the retail experience it used to be. No, I think that's right. But I think, yeah, firstly, we are very adaptable. We do get used to very um, different circumstances quickly. But secondly, that's why I say this is almost a team effort. Actually, yes, shops are doing their bit, totally. But customers, you know, are the days where you take 15 items into the changing room um, still here? Probably not, because that's going to that's gonna put grit in the system if those clothes need to be, then be stored for 48 hours before returning to the shop floor. Similarly, you know, Waterston saying that they're popular books, if they're picked up and handled, they'll have to be taken out, out the back for a couple of days. So, of course, we want to be able to test what we're buying and touch it in some cases. But I think as shoppers, we need to be considerate and supportive as well to get this system working because yes. that's how we get, get back up and running. And, of course, the hospitality industry is also crucial. And we've just been talking to Luke, Dr. Luke Johnson about that. I, we, we know the hospitality industry is sim- it's not viable. Most pubs, most bars, most restaurants, they are simply not viable if you have that two-metre rule. Is the CBI in favour of that two-metre rule being cut to one metre, given that there are very few countries around the world that are operating a two-metre rule? Uh, Yeah, look, I think, firstly, it is unquestionably a really complicated decision because this is about risk management. You've got the evidence that Luke gave that we hear from thousands of businesses about what a transformational effect um, going down to one metre would have on their ability to survive. And that's about jobs and that's about long-term health. Um, at the same time, I think there is an, a, a small increase in infection rate if you go to if you go down to one meter. So you have to balance these two things out, and that that is the, the government's job um, to assess that risk. Uh, but if it can be done safely and critically, it has to maintain the confidence of whether it's consumers or whether it's employees. Because if you lose that confidence, everything falls over. If it can be done safely, then clearly it will be a massive tool in helping us to build back that. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.